Welcome to the Become Fire podcast, a ministry of the Franciscan Friars of the Holy Spirit. If you'd like to learn more about this community, visit them on the web at www.becomefire.faith. That's dot F-A-I-T-H. Now, here are the Friars. Hello and welcome to the Become Fire podcast. This is Brother Elijah DeLoe, your host, and I am here with two priests from the Franciscan Friars of the Holy Spirit. Why am I saying that, Father Peter Teresa? Why am I saying two priests from the Franciscan Friars of the Holy Spirit? Because we're, we're missing our faithful companion, Father Anton. Oh, okay. So, but we've gained... Yes. ...another priest from the Franciscan we Friars have, of the Holy Spirit. We have, indeed we have. <laughs> Father Athanasius, welcome back. I'm so happy to be here with you, Brother Elijah DeLello. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think you're saying that because I didn't know how to start the recording machine. And I think you're just a little thrown off, uh, but yes, I, I think we're gonna find our traction. I'm a little here. thrown off, but I'm also delighted <laughs> <laughs> that that you were able to figure that out, Father. It was a victory so for everyone. Just to let our listeners in on on what just happened as we prepared for this show, <laughs> uh, Father Peter Teresa was complaining about an inverted mouse. Yeah, the like, mouse was moving in the opposite direction go, that I wanted He would move it, so. it right, and it would go, the cursor would go left, and he would go left, and the cursor would go right, and, and we discovered at that moment that it was upside down. Yes, <laughs> yes. So, uh, but that's why I need brothers. You were able to tell me, yes. Father, the mouse is upside down. And yeah. Father, to your credit, it is a wireless mouse. Thank you. Yes, so. it would have been way more embarrassing. Had been <laughs> <laughs> on that mouse. See, I wouldn't have let the audience in on that. Yes, uh, <laughs> yes. We're trying to try to save face a little. That's good. But um, so today we're just gonna, Father Athanasius, ask you a little bit about your vocation story. So we've done a, a little bit on uh, who the we done origin so far. story, as we call them. Have you done your origin story? We've done my origin. And then story. Father Anthony's done his. Indeed. I've done mine. Brother Paul's done his. Brother John of the Cross. Brother John of the Cross. Yeah. Wow. Reverend Deacon. We're really getting through this. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And the, the people seem to respond pretty positively. So, so don't blow up. <laughs> <laughs> I can't promise anything. I mean, honestly, when I think about origin story, I, I, um, I kind of have this idea of like, of like the prequel. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So it's like, um, do I, do I want to maybe kind of go like really creative and instead of telling the testimony that I've told like a million times in my priesthood, in my religious life, maybe what I'll do is some like Tolkien-esque like story about like demiurges and like... <laughs> how the Lord sang you into existence. Yeah, how I was sung into existence. Um, or 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 we could really go the way of um, Star Wars. Star Wars is all like kind of a thing right now in the house in Detroit. And mm. uh, um, so maybe I could give a little bit of like episode four, five, and six of my testimony. But I wouldn't be able to give that from a first-person account because I wasn't there. You weren't there. Right. Yeah. But it would be the origin. Indeed. Indeed. It, it doesn't sound like you're very, origins. It doesn't sound like you're very interested. <laughs> <laughs> so this is what we'll do, Father. We'll, just, we'll, we'll start we'll, from the beginning. We're going to tell you. <laughs> we're going to tell you where this origin story begins. <laughs> You guys will tell the story yeah, that's right. for me. That's right. That's to right. me. <laughs> so that actually would be a great podcast episode where um, 
<laughs> Where like a friar who knows you really well actually tells the story tells for the you. Story. We see how close we could get. That would be really informative. <laughs> That's what they really think of me. Okay. okay. That might be, All that, this time. That might be the end of everything. <laughs> Friendships could end. Why'd you keep saying I was eating paint chips? <laughs> that never happened. Oh, we all went through a paint chip phase, right? <laughs> But so, Father, so just tell us a little bit about you know your background. Growing up, where'd you grow up? Yeah, and um, you know, also just you know, when did you first encounter the Lord and your journey? How you got here? <clears throat> well, um, I was born in uh, Altoona, Pennsylvania, yeah. and um, which is a railroad town. Um, every time I start, so I just did a, a radio, hmm. I, I'm sorry, we're, I'm going to get to my testimony. I just have one <laughs> other kind of aside to, to share. Um, but I'm rereading seven story mountain, mm-hmm, Thomas yeah. Merton. And he like starts it like totally epically where it's like, I was born under the Pisces and the yeah, da, 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 yeah. da, da. And then Martin Van Doren, I think, no, not, um, no, Rob Giroux. He wrote the introduction to it and he was like the first line of seven story mountain the first time he did it was like terrible mm. and like totally pedantic and um he was like lecturing everybody from go and <laughs> which if you read seven story mountain he like burst into these lectures about theology um a la the Eff- confessions anyway mm-hmm. um so it took me a while to get to that line but then like every classic book has like this great line mm-hmm. and so this is the second time where like i just am a little self-conscious where it's like so tell us how it all began and i'm like well, I was born in Altoona. <laughs> <laughs> your, story, your story doesn't begin with call me Ishmael. Though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not, like, yeah, like yeah. I don't have a great first line here. Um, I was it born in the best railroad. of times and worked <laughs> the worst of times. <laughs> so good. Yeah. Uh, nope, don't got anything like that. I was born, um, I was born March 25th. In, that's, a, that's a beautiful a day. Yeah, the Feast of the Annunciation. Mm-hmm. Um, in during the Mercy Hour, mm. mind you, it was it was a uh, three o'clock in the afternoon, and um, actually the story goes: my whole family um, pretty much worked in the hospital, and my dad was so excited um, to tell my grandma, his mom, um, that I was born. Mm-hmm. And uh, that I was a boy, I think. Also, they didn't know, and and my name maybe I don't remember exactly how the story goes, so I'm making it up. Um, <laughs> but my my dad, um, I guess he was able to call up to wherever my grandma was working in in the hospital um, from from you know the labor delivery, mm. and um, and he's uh, he's like, um, Mom, you know it. It's a it's a boy, and we're gonna name him. And before you know, she's like, "I know, I know." It came up on the screen, or whatever. <laughs> she uh, would know. Yeah, yeah, she so, would know before anybody. <laughs> That's absolutely so. Right. Shout out to Queen Jean. That's right. right? And um, I'm drinking some high test for. That's, <laughs> we got some high test right now. Um, that's the coffee. Um, mm-hmm. the caffeinated coffee is high test coffee. So <laughs> anyway, so um, that's when I was born. I was born in Altoona, Pennsylvania. Altoona is known for um the railroad and um in altoona is the horseshoe curve which was this modern marvel of of railroad engineering so that the so that the trains could um you know get through these like tight hills of pennsylvania Mm -hmm. um in a place that was totally unpassable um so that they go east to west and um is a real boon to uh, the economy of this country um and in you know the late 19th century or whenever it was completed i don't know that um and um 
Anyway, um, why is the railroad important? I have no idea, but um, it's something I love yeah. mm-hmm. because where I'm from, mm-hmm. and um, uh, and I remember going to to bed every night to the to the train whistles, and uh, mm. and that's just like real nice for me. Um, you know, I, there's there's been times where I've been lonely and alone. You know, giving a mission or doing whatever I was doing, and um, you know, going, going to bed and then I would hear the train whistles and it would always be such consolation. So that's just like something that's real deep in me. And, um, so anyway, um, born to Catholic parents and a Catholic family, we were kind of mutts, you know, like, well, you know, well in this country for many, many generations and mixture of, you know, culturally of Italian and Irish and then a bunch of other just random stuff. And, um, the church was always there. Prayers were pretty minimal. Um, but it was enough, I, I think, um, when I was a boy, I learned how to pray to the rosary, but that probably came through like catechesis. I never went to Catholic school or anything until mm-hmm. I was in college. And, um, and my parents were just like, you know, blue collar working people, um, who really believed the American dream. Um, I mean, they, they, they grew up, um, actually pretty well, um, in some sense, uh, um, you know, so it wasn't like they were starting from nothing like immigrants or something like that. Um, but you know, they had, they definitely had to work hard to like have the stability of life. And I I think their plan was to like, you know, really grow a family and for the kids to have more than they had, you know, just, and that's how their parents raised them. And, um, which that's, that's a beautiful, I think some beautiful values to live by. And, um, so kind of, those are the values, that's the value system. That's all I'm trying to say. And, Mm -hmm. um, it, it wasn't until I was in fifth grade, um, and, uh, the priest, uh, Father John came into the CCD class and was begging um, for altar servers, and I felt very bad for him. I really did not want to be an altar server, but I felt very, very bad for this man. So he gave a great pitch, and I became an altar server. That was good for me because I really loved to serve at the altar. But it really wasn't until high school. And high school, I um, I actually remember I started reading in one of my classes, um, Plato. Mm. Um, and it, it really, really lit something in me. I, I started to... It gave me a way to start asking like questions that I was intuiting already as like a young man and probably a little bit odd for my age, like 14 or 15 and um, 15 and 16. And and then there was a priest at the parish. He was a young priest just assigned. There's a parochial vicar and he was a musician and I was a musician. And um, and I was a very naughty student. I mean, I got kicked out of class all the time. I, I was talkative. I was... I was flirty. I I, um, <laughs> I used to actually take my own books, um, like novels, to to into like my classroom. I'd carry it around with me because it was inevitable that I would get kicked out. <laughs> my record um, for like the the fastest I got kicked out of a class, like from when the class started, mm-hmm. my record is is negative two minutes. So it was actually two <laughs> minutes before the bell rang. Wow! I got kicked out of class. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you why, but, um, <laughs> the, um, so anyway, I was just kind of naughty and, yeah. uh, but I was also super inquisitive and curious. And, um, so, um, <clears throat> that was really the start of things for me. Um, that laid a foundation for me to start to be able to ask questions. And, um, sometimes I bothered people, uh, the adults in my life, but it was an important part of my story. And, um, and then really the big catalyst um, of conversion, uh, I'm sorry to say, was my dad's diagnosis that he had uh, mm-hmm. stage four cancer. Mm-hmm. And, um, and when I, I got that news, um, at this point I had a, a pretty regular practice of 
like when I say regular, like a weekly kind of thing, I'd get a rosary in or maybe a divine mercy chaplet. I knew those prayers by heart at that yeah. point, mm-hmm. and I could say them when I wanted to. Um, and um, how old were you when your father was diagnosed? Uh, I was seventeen, mm-hmm. um, and um, yeah, so it was it was February um, mm. when when my my parents told me. Um, or I think it was early February. It might have been late January. They knew for the holidays, but they didn't want us to okay. know. Um, and um, so I would have turned eighteen that um, right after, and then um, and then um, <clears throat> so that was tough, you know. Like you know, my, they they gave him only three to four months, and he lasted. He lived for a year. Hmm. He fought very hard. He did a lot of like experimental treatments and everything, and. He's really determined. He loved his work. He was uh, he served in emergency services in, yeah. in Blair County. I uh, loved the family um, and uh, really did a great job of providing for us. And uh, he and I were really close. Um, his his office was like right down from my high school, so mm-hmm. like he would take me to school every day, and uh, uh, we would listen to radio shows together and just laugh. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were really close, and we spent a, we spent a lot of time together. Um, and then, uh, so when he got sick, you know, things changed a lot and he was home a lot. Um, he'd be like up all night cause he'd be on steroid treatments and everything. Yeah. And, but the most beautiful part about that time for me, um, looking back was I saw my dad really start to pray, you know, and he had his morning devotions and he had his evening devotions. Um, I was a Eucharistic minister at my parish and um, so I was able to bring my dad communion on Sundays when he couldn't get to, mm-hmm. to Holy mass. And, um, so that was really that was really important for me, but but he he passed away, um, and um, this would have been um, uh, March of two thousand and four, and so I really went into a lot of grieving. I, w- I was supposed to start college, and I kind of did at, at the Penn State campus locally, and uh, but it was a very very bad year for me, hmm. um, and um, the grief was really really just more than I could swim through um, by myself. And, um, and my family was really kind of fragmented by the grief in a lot of ways, especially my nuclear family. And, um, you know, and that was hard, um, also. And I, I, it's, it's kind of a common story, unfortunately, just in in our modern world, Hmm. we just really don't know what to do with grief. Hmm. Um, and, um, so I kind of would, I, I was kind of living like a, double life almost like where I would, I would sometimes go to the consolation of prayer, Hmm. sometimes go to the consolation of partying. And, um, you know, and of course like the the one can, the one route will lead you to healing and growth and maturity and peace. And the other is just going to make you a lot more miserable. Hmm. And I was increasingly making myself very miserable. Hmm. And so I reached out to a friend at that point who, was able to, um, a- after some doing, got me to a little prayer group. And, um, and I had a major, major encounter with the Lord. Yeah. Um, I was, I, I was prayed over. Um, and, um, and I felt like I felt God. Mm. Um, and I felt like there was just like kind of a little enlightenment of my mind. Like I became like, like, okay, like my, my guardian angel is a real thing. Mm. Yeah. And like my yeah. guardian angel has been like, keeping my my grieving sorry heart from like really going off the deep end um and so that was um a really important grace for me a really important gift we just lost a phone that's all right we'll come back for it
Yeah. Um, I, I'm wondering. Is it just? Uh, I mean, I I know your story, and uh, <laughs> but just hearing you tell it, and just hearing you kind of talk about, um, just how how deep home is is in you. You're talking about the the. Just hearing a train whistle is a very consoling thing, and um, so I'm just wondering if you, maybe you just like kind of re- reflect or just maybe just share about, um, and then and then you you just to kind of juxtapose that with um, something as as traumatic and disorienting as losing a father at such a young age, and so just um, just. Maybe just kind of speaking to the things that really keep us tethered and grounded, um, just in in life, and especially in the hard seasons, the the the, the traumatic season uh, of life. Yeah, the um, I really had faith the size of a mustard seed mm. at that time, and um, I, I had the gift before. Um, before my dad died of having a conversation about the priesthood. And, um, and this kind of emerged out of that curious space and, um, asking questions that I, that I ended up reading a lot and learning a lot about the faith. And my dad saw this. And at one point, um, he did ask me, um, if I was going to be a priest. Um, and, um, it's a funny thing at that at that stage because like I um I was really just starting to be like Catholic. Mm-hmm. Um and um but so this is a big deal in my family because like um the, my family name it, it terminates with me. Mm-hmm. Um and so that was what I said to my dad is like, well, I am thinking about it, but like I also recognize like the family name would end. And, um, and, and after we had a little short conversation and I didn't have much wisdom or reflect, I wasn't, I didn't have a lot of understanding. I wasn't very reflective at that moment. I was just, you know, figuring things out. And, um, but he's just say like, like that would be okay. He kind of gave me the blessing. Um, Hmm. and, um, and so like, like those together of just having like the, like faith the size of a mustard seed, but not really having a deep prayer life, but knowing how to do some prayers, um, feeling comfortable in a church um, when I needed to like go there and just cry. Mm-hmm. Um, and then knowing that like, no, whatever I chose um, and no matter what I, I would have to sacrifice um, that my dad blessed it. Mm. Um, those were crucial things for me. Mm-hmm. And, um, but then I would also say, um, it, it, it's much better to be prepared for grief with, mm. with a, with a real interior life. And I was just developing an interior life. I mean, I would say it actually this way. Um, I received an interior life as a gift mm. from the death of my father. Mm. Um, where it, that kind of suffering created so much space inside of me, um, that I discovered the world inside of me. Um, and so 
I would say like what I had was faith the size of a mustard seed and my dad's blessing. Mm-hmm. Um, what I didn't have was like real, a real interior life. It didn't have character. I, I, um, and, um, that's what God wanted to give me, um, as I healed. And that's what started that night. Whenever I got prayed over, you know, it wasn't just like all of a sudden I became like a holy man or something like that. It's <laughs> very far from the truth. Right. Um, like what happened was just like, I actually kind of had, I had a spiritual experience where I encountered like, the, like the God of who loves me and the God who I believe had a plan of eternal life for my dad that my dad like did his darndest to like accept at the end of his life as a good Catholic, you know, and he confessed and he received viaticum and he received the anointing of the sick and the church was there to care for his soul. And, um, and, uh, so I think that was another huge part of like like what got me through, um, was the ministry of the church. And I Mm. saw it working there. Um, through priests, you know, priests who would be very generous with their time and spend time with my family. Um, anyway, um, does that answer your question? Yeah, yeah. thank you. That's yeah. good for you. <laughs> um, so that was that's the next stage. The next stage is developing an interior life, and um, and it went through a lot of pain. And then I had that encounter with the Lord, and then I had uh, a community of friends, um, and uh, to to teach me like just daily prayer. Yeah. And, um, and I, um, I was able to like very easily love prayer because I experienced a lot of consolation mm. in those days. Um, and that really kind of led me then to when I graduated from college and there's a lot to say about college, but, yeah. um, just to move forward a little bit. Um, I, uh, I, I did go to Medjugorje, um, for a summer and, um, and that was where I really started to, to, um, um, I want to say grieve or maybe it's probably not the right term. I kind of came to terms with the death mm-hmm. of my dad, you know, like, like the time through that was still grieving and, and experiencing like the pain. And C.S. Lewis says like, you know, he asks in, in a grief observed, like, why does, why does grief so often feel like fear? So I like mm-hmm. kind of went through that fear time. Um, and, um, and then through the encounters with the Lord, I kind of regained my courage and, uh, and I went to Medjugorje and, um, and I was just surrounded with prayer. I had a really like strict prayer life there. They pray a lot, um, lots of rosaries. And then I started to, uh, and I was working, I was doing manual labor, which was really good for my soul. And, um, and then I would sneak off up, up the mountain. I would do that in the early in the morning and, and late at, and, and late in the evening, uh, when people weren't there and cry and talk to my dad and yell out to God and just kind of talk to myself and like of what my life means and what death means and um, what am I to do now? And like, that's what I mean. So like I really developed an interior life. Mm. And, um, and at that point it's very clear to me, like I was called to the priesthood mm. and, but also that the Lord had another gift for me. He was calling me to religious life. And, um, and I had already been discerning through college and I went and visited a lot of different places and I, I did, uh, join the Franciscans. And, um, and I, w- I was really blessed then to join. When was it? It was, uh, 2009, fall of 2009 is when, when I joined the Franciscans. And, um, I don't know what's to say about all that. I mean, I, I don't know if people get it. Um, 
when you really dream about being a religious and then like those first couple of days and weeks when you start to live it is like so, so miraculous. Mm -hmm. It's so beautiful. Mm -hmm. And, um, and you just get to be Jesus's. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. and, and you, and you just get to be his and, um, and he loves and just, he's just, he just loves on you. And you get to know your brothers and, you know, some guys you like, some guys you love, some guys you're like, oh, I don't know about this guy. And, <laughs> and that guy's thinking the same thing about you. And um, and you learn all of a sudden that, like, this isn't just, like, the place where, like, you become spiritualized yeah. like an angel or something. You don't become angelized. You're just a normal just a normal person, just a normal boy um, who has, like, normal human needs. And, uh, and you have to learn how to manage those and to offer those to the Lord. And um, I had wonderful examples there, and um, I've met men who really invested in me. Um, and so um, I was there and went through postulancy and novitiate, and um, then I went to school at the Catholic University of America mm -hmm. for seminary, which is a great gift. I loved living in D.C. Yeah. Um, you know, um, I loved my classes. I loved some of my teachers, um, you know, um, in particular, like I'm thinking, like you know, Dr. Chad Pecknold, you right, know, who, yeah. who's uh, still a friend of our community. Thanks be to God, <clears throat> and um, he's just a great teacher. It's also where I started uh, rock climbing. Hmm. Um, so um, I, I, I and uh, and I go hiking. I learned to love the, I love the the hills of Virginia. Hmm. I love them. I love the Shenandoahs. That's and, so beautiful. Uh, yeah, and um, so so that's where those are further places where my interior life developed in my yeah. theology classes and. Uh, in uh out in the 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 Virginia Hills and uh and on rock walls and um yeah I've had a good life and uh is does is climbing rocks is it like does it tell you anything about the spiritual life? It tells you everything about the spiritual life. <laughs> <laughs> is there a spirituality of rock climbing? Well there could be. I mean I'm sure there's there's some like like rock climbing hippie in Colorado who wrote a book on it. Um, I don't know if I'm going to write a book on it, but, and God bless that guy or gal if they've done that. Um, but, um, you know, it, it's miraculous, mm. right? Like by, by your, uh, by your tiptoes and by, by, by like literally like, like just like your fingertips, Tip, yeah. you go vertical. Right. Mm. And, um, and the, the whole process of going vertical really has very little to do with your tip, your tiptoes and your fingers tips. Mm. It actually has everything to do with like trusting everything about the rock in your body. Mm. Right. And, uh, and, and gravity and balance and everything is about shifting your weight and everything. And, um, you know, but the other thing too, is, um, when you really start to climb, you go, you, you your mind clicks into like a really focused state where nothing else exists mm. except the next move. And that's prayer, right? Yeah. Like prayer, when it's really prayer, is like you're just present to God right now. Mm. It's not about the past or the future. And and while there's elements of the interior life where you work, you're passed out, or you right. consider and discern your future, like like the meet the encounter with God is just everything disappears, and it's just you and He. Mm. Or, um, and um, and that's that's the money spot, right? Mm. Like yeah. that's that's yeah. that's what it's all about. <clears throat> um. So anyway, um. We'll do a we'll do a spirituality of climbing. Yeah, we'll uh, put it on the docket. Yeah, we'll put that on the docket. Um, yeah, if you want to see that, put a note in the, co in yeah, the comments. Right? right? Is that what they say? <clears throat> so, Father, I you know uh, maybe like five or ten minutes into the podcast, you know, I'm just thinking about 
there's so many things, you know, obviously, again, I, I also know you pretty well. There's so many things in the story uh, of your life that you've shared, you know, with me and, you know, I know the other guys know, but I, I feel like you can just take so many of those things and just, just spend so much time on it because it was just so deeply impactful for you. And I'm remembering, you know, going back to Altoona with you and you showing us around. And I remember going through, was it cathedral? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and just every, every inch of that place, you just knew it and you just were explaining it and you had p- prayed through it. Um, and so maybe, you know, in these last few minutes, um, there's two things that, that I'm just going to grab onto, uh, because they're just coming up to me mm-hmm. right now. Um, and there's so much more that, you know, uh, you could share, I know, but, um, Prince Galitzin. Yeah. Um, mm. if, if you could just tell us a little bit about that, uh, because, um, when we were able to go see him, we went to Loretto, we were able to go see his tomb and where he is outside the church there. Um, and, and I know that there was a place that, that you went and you prayed very, very often. Yeah. Um, and, and that was very deeply impactful for me to see that, to yeah. see that devotion that you had. Um, so maybe if you can just talk a little bit about that and then just, you know, Maybe also very briefly, <laughs> or not, how, or not, or I not. don't do brief well. <laughs> how you how you ended up, you know, becoming a friar of yeah. the Holy Spirit? Yeah, where, how that kind of came about? Well, I, I I guess I could just say more clearly when I joined the Franciscans, it was the Franciscans TOR, yeah. and I had some, um, I had a big experience with God um, in Loretto, where St. Francis University is, and then um, I would also go out to Franciscan University of Steubenville, and those places really nurtured my vocation. And um, so one of the things, so Loretto, Pennsylvania is just this little mountain hamlet in the middle of nowhere uh, in Cambria County, uh, Western Pennsylvania. Mm. And, um, but it's very rich with Catholic history, all kinds of history, I mean, but um, in particular, um, an Irish settlement was established there after the Revolutionary War. And, um, and so those Irish people that living up on top of a mountain, um, with, you know, really terrible winter weather and all that. They were very hardy people. They were praying for a priest. And the priest that they ended up getting was um, Demetrius Augustine Galitzin. Mm-hmm. And um, so he he's uh, affectionately called Prince Galitzin. And um, and he's actually um, a member of, of the famous Russian Galitzin family. And so if you read like War and Peace, you're actually running across the Galitzin name. And that's, that's a direct, that is, that's his family. And so his dad was a, a, an ambassador uh, at the Hague um, for, uh, on behalf of, of, of the Tsar in Russia. And um, so he, he would have been uh, Russian Orthodox, but he, he married a Roman Catholic. Um, and this would have been this would have been in an age where like Russia and France were actually really close to. I mean, so like the, the back and forth and just all these controversies about Jesuits sneaking into Russia and <laughs> Romanizing people and all this. Um, but, um, so Prince Galitzin, when he, uh, when he turned 18 and he didn't know what to do with his life or thereabouts, maybe he's a little younger, um, his family sent him on a world tour, (laughs) um, to see what he might like to do. And, um, the czarist Catherine, uh, did want him in her guard and that would have been a very prestigious position and he could really move up the ladder. Um, so he was kind of doing this before he did that. He, He was going on a trip before he joined the guard and, um, but he kind of had a religious conversion through the whole thing. And um, in particular, um, he, he um, made his way through uh, Western Pennsylvania and um, fell in love with those people. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's where he, he decided then to be, uh, be a missionary, a Roman Catholic missionary priest. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, so he gave up his birthright. Uh, his dad totally renounced him. Uh, he became Catholic and, uh, and he reported to Baltimore where he studied and he was the first man to receive all of the minor and major orders um, towards the priesthood in the United States yeah. under Bishop <clears throat> Carroll. And, um, and then he was a, a, you know appointed pastor a couple places as a young priest, and then he ended up being up in Loretto. Um, and he would um, at first he would get, travel miles and miles and miles, thousands of miles in, in a year on horseback. But then he ended up hurting his leg. He fell off the horse where he couldn't ride anymore. So he would walk covering the same distance, tens of thousands of miles a year um, to, to get to all, the, all of these Irish um, settlements and uh, to minister their needs. But it's based in Loretto. And towards the end of his life, he uh, he petitioned for friars to come and for sisters to come to care for the the the, the kids that he was. There was an orphanage, and then there was also just these these, these young uh, young young people who needed to be educated. And it was actually eventually after his death when the friars came, hmm. uh, just a few years. Um, so his tomb is there in uh, Loretto, Pennsylvania. And uh, when I was a novice in Loretto, I was able to go. I, I would go very regularly. Um, when I first, in my, the, actually at the beginning of my novitiate, I, I would go there like daily <laughs> yeah. and just pray at his, his tomb. Yeah. And, um, you know, you look back at that stuff and you realize like, I mean, there was so much that inspired me about that. But like um, I was called to be a missionary priest. That's why I, I was um, called to, to leave uh, the Franciscan TOR. And um and that was hard. And, and in all humility, um, I just had to do what the Lord was telling me to do. And, and there was, I, I know that the Lord, there was the Lord in there. And I also, I'm sure that there was a lot of like youthful, you know, pride and arrogance and stupidity and, and, uh, uh, and maybe some of the ways that I, I, I dealt with my confreres back in those days. Um, but I received a lot of grace, you know, and the Lord spoke to me and definitely Prince Galitza spoke to me. And so he's servant of God now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and the cause hasn't gotten a lot of steam. A lot of it's because there's not a lot of organization behind it. Um, but hopefully uh, one of these days, you know, uh, the, the organization on the cause will be what it ought to be. I definitely believe that that man could be raised to, to, to the ranks of, uh, of the beatified and the canonized. I mean, it's just a tremendous story. Yeah. He died out there in the wilderness, you know, which I expect I probably will too. Yeah. Uh, but that's totally up to God. Um, he, we had the wilderness, but he's surrounded by the people he lo- that love mm-hmm. him, you know, so yeah. that's okay. Um, yeah, so that was the Galitza story. What was the other thing? <laughs> well, you started to say it, you know, you came out here to submission. Oh, yeah, yeah. Submission. That's right. Mm-hmm. Um, so right before I was supposed to be ordained a deacon, um, right before I made uh, final profession um, is whenever the Lord, I, I felt very clearly where he was inviting me to go on mission. And um, there are many ways that that happened um, and we don't have enough time to get into it. All I can say is um, I did it yeah. and I did it with the guys that the Lord sent me down here with at that time. And, People provided for us to come down here, and of course, Bishop Olmsted was ready to receive us. And um, yeah, and uh, and Bishop Olmsted really became, you know, a father to us. Yeah. Yeah. Re- really stuck his neck out, yeah. and for us, and that really, um, you know, I, there's these moments in his life, in in, in in my life, where I say, you know, like where I regained my courage. You know, mm-hmm. you, you, 
when you're choleric like me, you know, you'll just constantly be doing these bold actions where you're out in the middle of nowhere thinking you just did the dumbest thing in the world, right? <laughs> so there's this boldness that gets you out there, but then you're out there and you're like, what did I just do? And then something comes along to, for me, at least to renew my courage. And Bishop Holmes <laughs> said he gave me the courage to, to uh, keep moving forward. Yeah. And so we created this little mission and uh, it's been a great, great blessing to be a part of it and to realize that it was... Uh, you know, not just like the intercession of, from heaven, like from like somebody like Prince Galitzin, but also um, to know that there were people on earth like uh, here on uh, Gila River Indian Reservation where these people were praying for us yeah. and praying for me to come down here. Yeah. Um, you know, so that's an amazing gift too. Um, to, to, to just experience my life as something, as, as a gift. And it's I'm not totally in, in control of it. You know, the yeah. Lord, the Lord's leading me. Mm. Um, if I could, I just want to add... Um, Two and a half things. Yeah. Um, the one thing is just to, to, to bring it up to date, I, I was ordained uh, by Bishop Olmsted, both a deacon and a priest. And, uh, and then I was uh, assigned um, to my first mission, um, which was Detroit, Michigan. And um, I've, been, uh, I've been there for almost five years now. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I've been the, the cleric master, which means I'm in charge of the seminarians. And I really do my best to just help them First and foremost, to just be like, well, I mean, I'm talking to one of them. So, brother Elijah, <laughs> he, he's he's under my my charge, and um, and I'm proud of him. Um, I really want the guys to be able to connect on a human level. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really want guys to also be really at peace with chastity. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, it's really hard nowadays, so hard um, for men to have that. And uh, and I've struggled with that in my life, you know. And so I fought the battle and. Uh, and so it's such a gift um, to just see men who can really like authentically and humbly engage with any kind of person, with all kinds of people. And uh, so that's the human formation. But then, of course, they're getting good studies, uh, good intellectual formation from the seminary and from our dinner conversations and whatever else we're listening to. And <laughs> these men pray. They pray hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's how we know. One of the reasons we know that they're meant for our community is that they really pray really devoutly. And um and then they have plenty of opportunities to minister to people because we also I run a parish up there. Uh, we're in the inner city at St. Mary of Redford. It's a beautiful parish. Yes. If you're in the area, come visit us. And, um, you know, we're doing a lot of beautiful things. Uh, we just did a mercy night mm-hmm. in December um, with uh, to outreach to the neighborhood. And we had we had friars outside the liquor store um, and just like inviting people in and uh, – you know, it's like, if you think that spirit's good, wait till you get a little of the Holy Spirit <laughs> right, kind of yeah, stuff, yeah. you know? And so we're bringing people into yeah. the church and it was a really beautiful night and we've done some unbound conferences and, um, but we're just doing the day-to-day work of parish life and the, the weddings and the baptisms and, and, uh, the Sunday masses. Mm-hmm. And we're trying to grow that little place. And so, um, that's been really humbling for me. Um, once again, I'm choleric and bold and I just, bite off more than I can chew and th- that the Lord lets me do that so that he can <laughs> humble me. And so I've had a lot on my plate. And, uh, so that's the one, the two is, um, and then two years ago, my mom passed, Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, and I bring that up cause I know a lot of people who are listening are probably like, Oh, is he going to talk about his mom? And I'm sorry. It's just the last minute. Um, but, um, I spent a lot of time with my father and, um, but that was like, I never knew pain like that. Mm-hmm. I never knew pain like that. And, um, and, uh, but it's the same gift, right? It's like, it just enlarges the heart. And, um, and I'm thankful that I have, I am more prepared to go back to your question earlier to just deal with this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Um, and but it's not just my interior life, but it's like my friends, mm. um, my, my confreres, my brothers, even the, the my subordinates. I mean, the guys, you guys in, in Detroit. I mean, sometimes you guys really did carry me. You know, of just like a week that would be like really bad, and the the, the grief, depression would be there, and. Everybody just kept getting to the chapel, right? You just <laughs> just keep saying the prayers and keep, you know, and keep 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 affirming me, or you know, make 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 some mashed potatoes, you know, whatever yeah. it takes, and uh, <laughs> lots of butter. Yeah, just, just <laughs> carry gold, man. And uh, anyway, um, so I I did want to just just say mm-hmm. um, that past two years, this that's been a that's been a a hill to climb. Yeah. Um, but um, with with everybody's good prayers and and support, you know. Um, I, I, I'm actually, to be honest, I'm at the point now where I've just, what did I, I've, I found my courage mm. and, um, and I really believe that the Lord has a plan now, um, to make very good on, on, on the pain that I've, I've been through uh, mm. with this. Yeah. And, uh, and please God, I believe she's in the kingdom and that's the most important thing, yeah. but, um, yeah, and please listener, uh, pray for my mom and my dad. I'd be so grateful. Yeah. And for Father Athanasius and, and, and all the formation guys up in Detroit. Um, Father, thank you so much. Thank you for sharing with us. My pleasure. Yeah. We got we to gotta, we gotta do a round, too. I was going to say, this, this is like a, a part two. Yeah. We just, <laughs> this, this has been great. This has been great. Amen. So much more to say, but always leave them wanting more. Yeah, always leave them wanting more. So as if, as if we, we haven't gone over enough, I'm going to ask a question. Okay. Because you can't do a Become Father podcast can't do it. without asking the last question. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, Father, you are a literature buff. Yeah. You love literature. You love poetry. Mm-hmm. You love, you know, the great books. You said something earlier in the podcast about, you know, there being a, um, something about like a, a line from the beginning of, you know, Thomas Burton's book and like that that was like the line for him, you know. Is there a book or, or a work that, that you've read that's really just kind of in you, that's, that's really just, you know, spoken to you throughout your life or a line from a poem or a line from Shakespeare or something like that that's just really kind of in you? There's, yeah. I I'm wanna, sure there's a lot. Yeah, but. we'll do a podcast on it. <laughs> um, I, I'm just going to say, like, my my this is not an uncommon response. A lot of people would say this, especially in the Catholic sphere. But my my steady companion through through life has been the Lord of the Rings, yeah, and Tolkien, um, and in particular um, Samwise Gamgee. Mm. He's my guiding star. Um, I had a friend tell me ten years ago that Lord of the Rings is about Samwise Gamgee. Wow! And um, it's the faithful friend. Mm. It's about the faithful friend, and. Um, <clears throat> It, it, and um, and I've shared this in like retreats and things where it's like it's part of me that like wants to be Legolas, right? Mm-hmm. Or part of me that wants to be Aragorn, right? Or or Frodo, right? You want to be like these awesome protagonists, yeah. right? Who really move things along. Um, but um, in my life, I just decided to be Samwise, mm. and uh, at least I'm trying to. It's a lot healthier of a place for me to just come alongside people the best I can or or maybe the best way to say is like I just come alongside the Lord yoke up with him and yeah. just try to be his friend yeah. um, so amen yeah thank you for asking. father I answer this question I'm too? gonna ask you too oh wow yeah. this is, um what would I say for me 
I already totally blew everybody's mind by yeah. Lord yeah. of the Rings is about Samwise Gamgee. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> like all the Tolkien fans, like half of them are like, yeah, you're, all, all you're this terrible. time I thought I was Samwise. Now you're telling me you're Samwise, and now I don't know where I fit in the story. You, you're the caddy, right? That's kind of like being <laughs> yeah, Samwise. Sure. <laughs> Absolutely, you're like I don't know who I am anymore. If you're Sam, I'm an identity crisis over here. Um, yeah, there's a lot of things running through my mind right now. Um, uh, I'll, I'll stick with uh, we. I'll stick with um, the brothers Karamazov. Hmm. Oh boy! And uh, and just for a, a variety uh, of reason, um, but uh, I was on my pre vows retreat, and I, the the Lord has the Lord the Lord and I have a kind of a funny relationship with with literature and, and my vocation, and uh, but. There's a moment in that story where, where Alyosha, the protagonist, leaves the monastery and enters out into the world. Um, and he has this mystical experience where he just feels one with the world. And he, he just looks up at the heavens and just falls down on the earth. And just he just loves it all. Um, and, and it was in reading that that I, I, was, I just was like, I'm ready to like, be a consecrated religious <laughs> like mm. Alyosha left but like I just feel ready to go into it mm. and uh and that and then just some other just so that some of the just some of the other things that Dostoevsky does in that story are just I'm always I'm always thinking about it. yeah I'm, I'm yeah. always thinking about it so um, yeah, I'll say the brother care myself put put this on the docket I want to do this episode too just like like literature that mm-hmm. like inspired our religious yeah. lives like yep. this is a lot of fun yeah. there's a lot there there's mm-hmm. a lot there, and I'm sure multiple friars could talk. It's about It's fun that. for me. I don't care <laughs> yeah. if people. You you might be yeah. bored on the episodes yeah. I'm on. I apologize, but it's fun for me. Amen. <laughs> well, thank you very much again, Father. Uh, would you mind uh, saying a prayer for us? I would love to say a prayer in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good and gracious God, we praise you and we bless you. We thank you for your Son Jesus Christ, who died for our salvation. We ask that in his name that you would send forth the Holy Spirit upon all those listening right now. Give him a touch, Lord. Give him a touch from your, of your Holy Spirit and of your great love. And just like you did for me right after Dad died and uh, he became so present and so near, I ask that you would just be present and near and close to every heart, every person listening, and every person to whom everybody who is listening is thinking about and concerned for, Lord. Just meet us in our deepest need draw us to yourself and be our everything be their everything i thank you so much jesus and may the lord bless you and keep you may the lord make his face shine upon you the lord be gracious to you and give you his peace may the blessing of almighty god come down upon you and remain with you forever the father and the son and the holy spirit amen amen thank you for listening to this episode of the become fire podcast the franciscan friars of the holy spirit can be found online at www dot become fire dot faith that's dot f-a-i-t-h the franciscan friars of the holy spirit are also a 501c3 charitable organization if you feel called in any way to give financially to their mission please go to www.becomefire.faith slash give that's become fire dot faith slash give may the lord give you his peace we'll see you next time